go for the diamonds in the rough. Try to find the next sales superstar. And the way to do that is to, you know, not necessarily just hire based on skills, but instead hire on attitude and attributes, right? And in my book, I put 20 attributes you should look for. Uh, they're all relevant, right? Uh, I say the more of them you can identify with a, with a candidate, uh, the more likely they are to become successful. Contingent that you have the right onboarding and training framework, right? But if they come on board, let me give you an example. If they are, are they a good storyteller? It's in 30 minute hour. Where you grow into your power. Welcome to the 30 minute hour. It's the personal development podcast for the seven figure entrepreneur who's looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner who's conducted over 28,000 coaching sessions. Now, my typical co-host Ted Fells is not going to be joining me this evening he is attending a conference you know he's the super CEO and that's what super CEOs do from time to time they attend conferences I've got a super CEO extraordinaire that we're going to be talking to here in just a minute but we're going to be talking today about the top five attributes of a future sales champion you really want to lean in on this because it this applies if you're looking to add someone to your team this even if you're a solopreneur and you you're trying to put yourself out there and get better with the sales process you need to know these attributes you want to lean in and we, we've got a special surprise bonus that we're going to be giving you towards uh the end of this episode so you want to stay throughout the whole episode make sure you hear that we're talking about the five top five attributes of a future sales champion i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna bring on uh, the man of the hour uh, he is the the founder and ceo of great dane ventures the accelerator platform and elevate media he's he's the author of the zero to 100 million sales blueprint book and the goals and grit gr goals grit and greatness planner by the way i have both of these it I'm, let me tell you i'm someone i read these types of books all the time this is fantastic i mean you literally want to take this if you're a seven-figure entrepreneur and just follow step by step what he says we'll get more into it um throughout this episode but he's been a serial entrepreneur since 2002 uh, he, he started and exited six companies successfully. That's all that needs to be said on that. I'm just going to go ahead and bring him on now. Please join me in welcoming to the 30-Minute Hour Podcast, Gary Garth. <laughs> thank you so much for having me eric thank Man, you for the you for comprehensive this, introduction I've been looking forward to this for a while i have to i have to be careful because like there's so many things i want to ask you and so many discussions i want to have this could be like a two-hour episode but I, but i know you got a lot to do so i'm <laughs> you got things to do i'm not going to keep you but um definitely welcome to the show i did want to give people uh some backdrop so so what was it that inspired you to become an entrepreneur at the age of 20 yeah um i think there was a lot of reasons um 
you know, assessing, assessing my personality type throughout the years. I've, I've also a huge advocate of, of coaching and personal development and everything that you guys preach, you're preaching to the choir. So um, I, I identified, you know, throughout that journey that, you know, as a, as an individual, uh, I just aspire to, to make an impact. I, I like to feel significant. Uh, obviously I'm, a, I was always very ambitious and, aspiring towards uh, not everything, but also a simple thing as a better life and certain materialistic uh, accomplishment, achievements, etc. That was like, to just speaking frankly, that was some of the big drivers when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. And <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably high up on your list. But obviously those, those drivers has evolved over time. Now every, every, every decision as for investing in a company as as being involved in some show, some shape or form a partner or either uh, as a consultant is it's always like is this a project i believe has uh, you know 10 100x potential uh, can it be scaled and then furthermore is it for the greater good is can it make an impact whether it's like my book accelerator platform elevate.io we only work with verticals where we believe that you know we indirectly are helping like for instance, with Elevate, we help. We work a lot with addiction treatment centers, mental health care providers. That is that is a, a a topic that is is very hot nowadays. There's a lot of people suffering, and we are helping a lot of providers by uh, by making sure they're operating at a maximum uh, uh, capacity, a high occupancy rate, and just bring down the cost per mission so they can keep expanding the service offering. So everything I do as an entrepreneur nowadays has to be tied up with a, a greater purpose, so to speak. Uh, so if you ask the Gary, 20 years old, it was probably a bit different than the drivers as Gary, 43 years old. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. I mean, like there was never a time where you thought of working for somebody else. Like just from, from day one, you said, you know what? I need to be working for myself. I need to make this happen. Well, uh, not 100%, but uh, I was self. I, I started self-employed directly after high school. Started a, a company. I was very fortunate just to, it was one of those things when you're, at the right time with the right idea. And it was just all the right circumstances. This was, you know, 25 years ago, there was DVD players was new and hot. And I found out a way to import movies from us to Denmark, uh, where the, the movies, the hot movies went, went in the cinema, they came out like six to nine months before in us than in Denmark. So I was able to sell those by, uh, selling DVD players that were, has so had a chip and were coded for that. So just one of those sheer coincidences, but that evolved. We opened several stores. I got like, I was one of the first companies in Denmark to do e-commerce. We did a lot of revenue on e-commerce. So I, I, I dabbled onto a lot of new concepts and I was fortunate to sell that company, not with a huge exit, but just, you know, 20 years old, I got some pocket change and that allowed me to then move on. I actually spent all that money in like about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I did <laughs> and uh, then I actually took a job in sales again hmm. I, I had started in the sales job and that's when I got into a company I very quickly grew in the ranks and then it's what that's when I started to talk with the former sales manager of that company say like listen we can do this better like why don't we just start on our own because every time as a performer I would come to uh, leadership with some recommendations what our clients are asking for XYZ what if we had this product feature what if we could offer this as a, you know, a revenue expansion opportunity? And they were just like, just shut up and do more dials. And I was like, this is not the kind of company I want to be in. Yeah. And that's basically what pushed me into my 
second entrepreneurial journey, so to speak. And I've been on that journey ever since. Interesting. So like if you could go back and talk to the 20 year old version of Gary <laughs> based off of what you know now, what advice would you give him? Yeah. Oh boy. Wouldn't we all wish we could do that? Right. Right. I would, I think I would, first and foremost, I would slap him around a little bit. Tell him to, <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. uh, I would give him a lot of advice, but I think if I was, there was one thing I would reiterate was to begin with the end in mind. And I would mm. say, okay, whatever, whatever you're doing, try to have a, a long-term perspective with, with all your decision, your decision-making process. Because I think as an entrepreneur, especially me, uh, and I think many fall victim to, you know, you always get distracted by the next shiny object and something may look intriguing and that deviates your focus from the long-term view and picture and the purpose that you're trying to accomplish. I think that would be the overarching recommendations. A lot of other stuff I could say, but that would be a, a separate podcast episode, I would say. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great advice. It, it keeps you from spinning your wheels when you're working towards that North Star and everybody knows yeah. what the North Star is. That also helps as well. Yes, uh, so so you, now you, you've started and scaled six companies. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe your, if you had to go step by step, right? So tomorrow you're, you've got this idea for another company. What, what's your step-by-step -step process to start successfully start scale and exit a, a, a business? Yeah. Yeah. So I have 14 chapters in my book. Uh, basically it's 420 pages stacked with recommendations of you know, many of the, uh, high input executives. I work, I work with, you know, senior leadership at Google, Microsoft, Meta, big companies. I've been, had the privilege of working with these very smart people. So it's a, a lot of those learnings I apply into one book, but also my own experiences. So it's, it's not very, it's, it's for the bootstrap entrepreneur, you know, that wants to make every penny count that is struggling, can't go out and hire a fancy marketing agency and burn through a lot of money, hoping that it works. It's like, okay, got to make every penny work and, and try to measure the outcome and grow based on that, uh, you know, residual income they, they can generate. That's, that's who the book is for. So I would say I break it into all these different phases. One is basically before, you know, setting up the business, preparing for it, then it's launching and then it's scaling, basically three phases. The initial phase, I would say it's very much on like one of the things I put is actually put sales first, right out of the gate, because uh, as an angel investor, I, I assessed at least hundreds of opportunities I've been pitched just last year alone. Uh, in my last marketing agency, I worked with over 5,000 advertisers and we managed 300 million on their behalf. And I also enable about 200 resellers to sell our services and products. So I got that firsthand view to what works and what doesn't, right? So I saw all these great products, uh, groundbreaking concepts and, you know, innovative ideas, uh, but where the founders essentially, they, they put together a whole business plan, right? They thought about everything and anything except sales. So they haven't necessarily done MVP. They haven't gone out and try to see, hey, can I collect money for this, right? So I would say the first thing is just try to put together a minimum viable product, go out and try to sell it, get some early wins and figure out whether what you should double down on and get that early, early feedback. Once hmm. you've collected that, then you can go into it, I would say, then you double down on, on the research process. And, that, and, and, I, and I say this because that's going to dictate your messaging, your narrative, your, your unique selling proposition, how you market, which channels you should advertise on, how to build your, your, your sales blueprint for your, 
for your reps, you know, the scripts, rebuttals, sequences, everything is stems from that original research. So I look at firmographics, demographics, and psychographics, all the prospects, and basically bake it out into like great detail so that you know that that will then dictate, okay, is this a blue ocean strategy? Is this a red ocean strategy? What should our pricing strategy be? And how can we put it together? Then start looking at my nearest competition in that field and actually do like a mystery shopping process where you collect data say one thing is what it companies put on the website another thing is like try to pick up the phone and call them and get a demo and see how are they positioning them when i asked this question how do they revert to that how do they benchmark themselves over another competitor and you actually get a lot of information just by asking questions because guess what you got a sales rep on the other end of the line who's really hungry to sell you products or solutions and they're going to get the commission. So they're going to drop everything on you. You get a lot of intelligence. Once you've done all of that, then you can go back to the whiteboard and say, okay, hmm, wait a minute. Should we do direct sales or channel sales? A big, big consideration. A lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, they entirely discard channel sales. But you know, that's the multiplier effect. You can really scale fast if you put that put to, together a good offer process and, and systems that enable other people to sell for you. And then it starts to start to whichever is direct sales or channel sales is figuring out, okay, how do we crack the code on sales first and foremost, right? Uh, preferably you as a founder should be the chief sales officer. That's kind of like my notion overall. But then when you add that first layer, right, then, then who, who should you hire as the first reps, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what to look for. Uh, once you have brought them on board, what kind of onboarding process do you need to have? I, I map out like a 90 day process so that you make sure they, they hit the ground running, they have everything and anything from a company, product standpoint, competition standpoint, they're basically enabled to sell from you without having to look for answers or make up stuff, basically replicating what worked at the early stage. And then it's like sales leadership, right? Then it's sales operations, right? Then you're talking marketing and sales integration. Uh, then it goes into how to scale all those things by adding the right technology. That's a big topic nowadays, sales and martech. Everybody's looking for that next application or this next piece of software that's going to make my life easy and going to triple sales overnight. Guess what? Without proper adoption by your by your team, your reps, without having thought in and factored into processes, it's going to go to waste. It's just going to be another expense on 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 your balance sheet. So, uh, it's basically a comprehensive overview of everything you need to get done in a timely fashion according to your company's life cycle, so to speak, where you are at that stage. So you, know, you say something in the book here that it just, it, it won't leave me alone, Gary. I really, I believe this to be a hundred percent true. It's on page 173. We uh -huh. talk about the DNA blueprint of your future sales channel. Oh, yes, that. yes, yes. The world-class sales hiring is probably the single most important factor in determining the success of your company. Can Amen. you expand on that? I'm glad you, you, you pointed that out, right? That, that is, such a small detail, but at the end of the day, so important for whether you can scale at all in the first place, it's just breaking on the right people. The reason I bring it up is because again, as an investor, after selling my last company, I got some pocket change to invest in several companies. And then I come on board as an advisor, or I'm hired to be the, the board of directors of certain companies to help them with a the go-to-market strategy of business development, expanding to new markets. And they're like, we're gonna do this, here's the budget, we're gonna go out and hire all these reps. I'm like, whoa, 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 time out, right? So you're just going to go out, look at the competing company, take out your, pe uh, your checkbook and add another zero to it so you can incentivize them to go from another company to yours. 
how is that going to necessarily equate with success and the cost per acquisition and everything? We're taking a huge risk here. So instead, no, instead I like to, you know, go for the diamonds in the rough, try to find the next sales superstar. And the way to do that is to, you know, not necessarily just hire based on skills, but instead hire on attitude and attributes, right? And in my book, I put 20 attributes you should look for. Uh, they're all relevant, right? Uh, I say the more of them you can identify with a, with a candidate, uh, the more likely they are to become successful. Contingent that you have the right onboarding and training framework, right? But if they come on board, let me give you an example. If they are, you know, there's so many, so I don't know which ones to pick, but like to give you an example, are they a good storyteller? Like I think nowadays marketers, they undermine the significance of good storytelling. Like how this, how this particular case or this particular prospect you're speaking with, oh, that reminds me of my old other friend, client, Rich, who worked with us. He's out in Florida. He was in the exact same situation that you, he came to me. Da, 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 da. You're just personalizing the whole narrative. That's what we all like. We, we are all adopted with storytelling. It goes back to like great, 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 great that we said about the bonfire and talk about the stories that resonates with everybody. Uh, obviously, they need to be a good listener. They need to under, be, be problem solvers, right? Everybody has this notion that sales is just like somebody who's yapping on and sounds like a used car salesman and a very eloquent and very charismatic. Guess what? The most important thing is understanding the pain point. We are all driven by the, 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 the avoiding pain or attaining pleasure. That's the two drivers we all are, are driven by. So the better you can listen to those small little indicators that can, that can tell you what to double down on from a pitch standpoint, the better you're going to do it, right? Um, what else? Discipline, uh, important one, right? So look like, have they been disciplined in that? Like you can hire somebody straight out of college, but you know, did they have certain after school activities that determined were they able to juggle both the full time job and the studies and come up with a good grade? Did they demonstrate discipline in certain other elements of just a full time job? can reveal a lot about this person, right? And then how are they gonna, how are they gonna con consume, as, adopt all this product, company, and market knowledge that you're gonna dump on them? Do they have the discipline to sit down? So there's a lot of different attributes to focus on. And the more you can correlate, the more likely you are gonna get develop a sales superstar. Guess what? Then you hire them for pennies on the dollars versus just go out and hire the competitors, top performers. So, so you've, um, so, so far, cause the, our, our theme is the the five attributes. So far, you've given us three. You said, <laughs> "Oh, okay, good, okay." So hold on, hang on. So, so yeah. good storyteller, a good listener, and discipline. I want to unpack this a little bit. I heard something about this storytelling piece. I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, yeah. And it's been said that you, you know, the greats they they people tell stories that silently sell, right? So they, they'll tell a story about kind of like a before and after scenario, that but it's it's, it's really selling. But a lot of people mm -hmm. that are effective in sales do that. Oh, yeah. Can you expand on that? All day. I mean, it's basically like storytelling is basically how do you, how do you package in, uh, in a conversational style way to say, okay, mm -hmm. this is like a case study, a testimony from another client that reminds me of your situation, right? Because what are you, what are you signifying there? It's like back, going back to the, the, the principles of persuasion. You're signifying social proof. Like you're mm -hmm. indirectly telling them that somebody else in this exact same situation leveraged your solution. That's incredibly powerful if you do that in an effective way. Like in my case, 
I just launched uh, Elevate.io, which again, we cater to the addiction treatment center industry. And one of my drivers for that was as an angel investor, um, I was about to invest in two rehab centers back in 2020, just, just before uh, COVID was rolled out. And uh, as part of the due diligence process, and they said that one was in the Dominican, the other in Canada, uh, I was you know, part of supporting, fi finding the, the marketing agencies that was going to help us fill out the bets and all that. And as I was undergoing that process, I just identified that you know, the, the outlook as me as an investor focusing on ROI and, and, and a good rate of my return would be very the, a very grim outlook if I just relied on, on these marketing agencies to get the job done. And then that gave birth to the solution that then I deployed subsequently. So that's a story that resonates incredibly well with my audience, right? They're like, ah, he gets it from a monetary standpoint. Ah, he was in my shoes as well. And that's actually the origin story to why we're talking today. Works incredibly good. And it's, an, you know, obviously it has to be authentic. You cannot just make something up. But if you have an authentic story, there's companies that, that, that do this just for, you know, as a. Uh, and what you just, that's like the perfect example of that. <laughs> Right. No, I, I think that that's critical. So good storyteller, good listener. And I agree with you there because a lot of times we think it's all about somebody that's the most talkative and the <laughs> social butterfly. But it's that person that can ask questions and listen. Yeah. Is the yeah, person yeah. that's going to be more effective. So how many more am I missing? I guess that's the million dollar question. You said, you so said five, what are you I missing? Three, right. You got three. So you got this okay. good storyteller, good listener and discipline. OK, I'll take two more that comes to mind right away. Number one, goal-oriented. You can't be mm. in sales without being goal-oriented. So obviously, they're going to have to hit a quota. At my company, every rep comes in. You start as a sales development rep. Guess what? There's a six-month six career pathing plan for you to develop yourself into either marketing coordinator and account executive. So there has to be a, a process made out, and you have to be constantly focusing on that next step, that goal, of how, to, how to achieve that. Uh, but you can look at candidates, whether they, you know, they were goal of instance, the other day I was interviewing a candidate and she was like, you know what, uh, I was studying, I wanted to learn tennis, I couldn't do it. Uh, the only time I could get, uh, I could, uh, I could learn it was if I got up at 5 a.m. and took a, a private lesson from 6 to 7 before I went to school. I was like, that's, that's you know, discipline, goal oriented. And then leads me to my third, uh, the, the fifth attribute, if I were to prioritize, passion. Mm. Uh, are they passionate about something? I don't care if it's cooking classes, is it camping, whatever it is. When I ask them about what's the one the one thing you're passionate about, if they're able to go in, and that's another attribute, by the way, become like a purposeful, purposeful positioner. Say, okay, I love camping because X, Y, Z, and this is what I do, and X, Y, Z, here's the benefits, and mentally, here's five side effects of if you do it when when they're able to position that then it says okay if they can become passionate about your product and solution then it's simply just adding product knowledge to them and they will become lethal very effective but you can't just ignite passion in somebody so can you correlate it with something else that they have done there's a good probability you can transfer it if you have a good solution and they buy into your company and your values and your vision etc so here's what's interesting Right. I, I heard you say, you know, you're looking for attitude and personality. I heard you say you're looking for the diamond in the rough. Yeah. I didn't hear you say I'm looking for the sales veteran who's been doing this for 10 years. Uh -huh. What am I missing? No, no, don't get me wrong. You 
you need to have uh, the, some gray hair on the sales floor. Don't get me wrong. But okay. it's just, you, would you agree that it's, it's kind of expensive to go out and hire 10 Garys and 10 Eric's? It, it's gonna, you're going to have to have very deep pockets as an entrepreneur. Right. You can maybe add one, right? Make yep. sure that you align on everything, have built everything out. Do you align on the, the, the methodology and uh, lead qualification? You, you cover everything to make sure there's not a conflict of interest, some internal conflicts in terms of how you position your methodology and your, this, your approach. And if you're with, with that two, three gray hair people on, on the sales floor, you can start adding all these uh, young bucks that come in at a, at, a, at a lower rate and can be developed. So it's, I would say, to give you a ratio, uh, one gray hair for every three other applicants. <laughs> three to one. That okay. also allows you to establish a mentoring system, which I also put in my book, How to Do That. Incredibly powerful. If there's a, you know, for instance, if you have a serious career path in order to advance to another position, you have to mentor another guy for the role. So there's a win-win and mutual benefit and everybody's keep pushing forward for the con continued growth of the company. So, so yes, so, you need, you need, you need a few gray hair on the sales. No, no I, I understand that, but I just think that there is a there's a huge advantage to having the people that are newer because they don't have the bad habits they, yeah, they don't have the, the, sometimes the people that are 10 <laughs> years in they they can tell yeah. you reasons why the customer is not going to buy uh, we're never going to hit we're never going to hit quote of december everybody's pushing it to next year like guess what right 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 <laughs> it's possible yeah good yeah point. well good now uh, this is this is spot on so for those of you that just joined us uh, we talk, we're talking about these five attributes of a future sales champion. We said good storyteller, a good listener, they're disciplined, they're goal-oriented, and they have passion. And Gary, again, I agree with you. because I, I think there's something to be said for the fact that like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, right? yeah. So the person who is setting the goal and getting up at 5 a.m. because they're so passionate about learning how to play tennis, they're going to find a way they're going to do this when they come to work for you chances yeah. are they're going to demonstrate that same level of passion and urgency correct correct now you saw the book and you saw the 20 attributes that i recommend which one would you have picked that i didn't pick here as the top five ah. <laughs> that's good so let's see curious curiosity you, you've got to hear yes before. that's a good one amen bro I, I yeah i do find the people that are curious that are asking themselves questions, asking questions about, hey, why do we do this? How can we do this better? Uh, I, I think that's a key attribute. I'm actually glad you put it in the book. So important, so important. Absolutely. Um, along with always be learning, right? It goes hand in hand. Right, um, so I have a, I have a big can you just, But then I get chat, uh, Gen Z telling me, so can you just chat GPT, Gary? <laughs> can you use artificial intelligence? So, so the I have I have an issue. Um, I've had people who aren't curious, right? They, they try to get them to go to a training class, and it's like, oh yeah, well I already knew that, or yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've been I've been doing this a long time, and yeah, and I find that those individuals tend to have the worst results. I would never hire them in the first place. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, yeah. So, for instance, like that's part of like the recruitment process. Equally important is like, for instance, I put in my book like a suggested stage you know everybody every every leadership book says you know hire slow fire fast right but what does that mean right um so for me it's like everything from candidate assessment centers uh or 
like I can send a book uh, to a candidate, my book, and then say, read that chapter, let's talk about that, or which one do you identify the best with? Uh, it could also be a white paper on a specific product if it's a product specialist, and then have a conversation because A, it shows, again, are they, do they want the job or not? Are they determined? Will they pick it up and read it, right? The worst thing I get is like people coming in for the job and like, yeah, what is it you guys do it again? And so forth, like, All right, come on. Uh, so a lot can be a lot can be identified through that process. And if they don't have that curious mindset or not always seeking to learn, uh, you know, they're going to become dinosaurs in, in, in two seconds. And not a, you're right. I mean, that's almost evident that essentially they're not they're not going to succeed in the role. Yeah, so I, I would agree that would be a disqualification criteria. Even. Yeah. Now, th this is a great conversation. And again, those of you <laughs> listening, those of you watching, you need to pick this book up, right? We, we just scratched the surface. I mean, we gave you a total of six of the attributes. There's, a, there's 20, and there's a lot of other great information. The zero to 100 million sales blueprint. Again, make sure you, you check that out. Um, yes, sir. So t talk to and me about some not, of your- like, This is not something I just put together. Yeah. This is 25, I've been in 20, 25 years in sales. Uh, most of my companies had a sales floor with over a hundred people on the phones. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody who's been in sales knows that there's a certain level of attrition expected. So, I mean, I've hired tens of thousands of reps. Um, and in my last company, the last three years, I was responsible for the reseller program. So I would basically train other companies on how to sell our solutions. So I also got a firsthand view inside how do other companies onboard, train, sales reps. I immediately interviewed the top performers to see what they were doing. How could I get them to become advocates, buy into our solution, and then, you know, preach it to the rest of the thought to get product adoption. So I started to see what does a sales superstar look like at my own companies and other companies, including Google, Microsoft, Meta, and all these other fantastic resellers that sold our products. And that is the, the, the outcome, this, this, this chapter, specifically in the book. So, so Gary, I mean, we, we see the successes, right? We see the six companies and the excellent content, but talk to us about some of your failures and mistakes. What, what are a couple of big mistakes you've made that you've learned from? <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that book would be twice as thick uh, and twice as many chapters uh, because it could also been 101 mistakes not to do when you're starting a company, right? So. Uh, I've made a lot of mistakes, including almost going bankruptcy a couple of times, uh, mm. you know, thinking we're kicking ass sales is going through the roof. Oh, wait a minute. What about cash flow? You know, uh, everything looked good, except we didn't have the cash to continue to grow. Um, I've also, uh, made the mistake of, you know, pivoting, uh, product wise based on focus groups and research. Uh, and just you know, deploying an altogether new strategy without testing it properly that nearly went made my company one of my companies go bankrupt before. Uh, I also deployed, you know, companies without properly doing the proper research. So, you know, I just found out there was some governmental regulation stuff like that, that I completely ignored. So, uh, I made a lot of different mistakes, and I think it all boils down to you know making sure that as a founder. Uh, double down on your strengths and delegate the rest. Like myself, I'm not the best finance guy in the world. Uh, my former company sent me to Harvard to study finance for senior executives. And 
I the the biggest takeaway of sitting there in the Boston, uh, the campus at Boston, several years in a row for these three week periods was like, hey, why don't we just have somebody else do that and let me do what I'm good at, right? That way we have mitigate the mistakes possible and let me focus on growing the company and let somebody else worry about the finances and just obviously I need to know the the basics, but you know. Uh, let a CFO do those other things, right? So I would say that was the biggest thing because whatever you're good at, make sure that you either partner or find key hires to to fill in fill in the gaps and then do what, typically when you're doing what you're good at, that's also comes some passion. You get an extra level. You get fueled with confidence because you're doing good. All of a sudden you get you get recognition and uh, awarded for, for, for your growth and your success. And that, that makes you just, most people motivate to do even better. So if you're constantly like, I need to improve on this, I need to improve on this, that's not something that motivates most people. So instead, just double down on your strength. Embrace it, have fun, uh, and delegate the rest. It'll come a long way. Yeah, I, I As think, long as you got sales prioritized, it's number one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it helps with your confidence, too. Like, if you, if you stay in your zone of genius, right, you'll be more confident. And I think yeah. that impacts your whole organization. As opposed to if you're trying to get into everything and that's, you know, you're in the thing that you're really not <laughs> tailored for. Um, mm -hmm. No, I, I totally agree with that. And glad you were able to learn that lesson. So, so you're, you're on quite a few podcasts and you get asked all kinds of questions. I know you've got other entrepreneurs who are asking you questions all the time about how can I scale my business? But what's a question you never get asked? that you wish people would ask you? Hmm. But, um, a question, I would say, uh, so it's like, okay, what to start with, maybe. Hmm. That would be the right question, right? Because obviously research uh, and you know defining your icp and all that. obviously all that comes first but when i say what to start with first what i'm referring to is you know like in in, in my book i put you know in god we trust everybody else brings data uh, <laughs> to, to define your key metrics right i have 20 20 sales metrics sales marketing metrics every company should know at the back of their hand but how do you get to that stage? It's basically about having the right systems in place, right? Um, having a CRM in place that allows you to capture all prospect customer information throughout the whole customer journey and mapping that out so that you're looking at your entire customer journey and saying, what does that look like? And how does the metric uh, uh, influence the prospect as they go through the funnel? But that whole process. Because only when you start measuring all those metrics can you figure out what's improved. Like people ask me all the time, how can I double revenue this year? What's the number one thing we should do? It's like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you could be doing better. First thing is get a systems in place and start measuring, right? Then you can seek to improve and find subject matter experts. Because let's face it, if you're great at selling, if you have solution demos and you kick it, you know, slam dunk every time, everybody's like, wow, this is a hell of a lot of value. At a, at a fantastic price and this is the most the, the greatest user interface i've seen on the platform before i got to sign up guess what but how many demos do you have do you need to find a, a cold outreach email expert that can start generating leads for you help you with top of the funnel right at the same time if you're not closing shit, 
maybe we need to start do sales process architecture and figure out like which marketing collateral can help influence deal success rate. So it all really depends on that, where you are in the customer journey. And it's all, you know, the, the cornerstone of everything is your CRM. Uh, and I say that because I'm speaking with so many customers nowadays and there's either two scenarios. One, they don't have a CRM. Obviously, I don't know how you can even operate a business without having that in place because then you can't collect all the data. Otherwise, you're operating with 20 spreadsheets. Number two is then configuring the CRM so you get high adoption. Like I've been in so many companies as a sales rep. I'm sitting with some clunky system. that's just off the shelf set up. It's not catering to best practices. What helps make my life easier? What helps moves prospects down the funnel quicker? It's not configured appropriately. And the best, like, it's, it's like you can have the fanciest yacht in the world, like 120-foot yacht sitting at the harbor. But if you don't have a proper sailor and it's not configured, you're not going to get out of the harbor. You're just going to stuck there. So you need to have the right system, but also have it configured with the right thinking. Uh, and that gives you the right data, the right metrics. And now you can start making more intelligent decisions and reallocating uh, or allocating resources externally, internally to help uh, close more deals and grow revenue, if that makes sense. Hmm. So, so the key thing is really understanding where you need to start. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah, that's, that's a, a great summary. answer. <laughs> It's, it's so easy to kind of, you know, you feel like you're doing all these things, but if you don't start right, yeah. you're not going to get to where you want to go. All right. Now, th this has been awesome. So we're, we're, we're at our final segment. It's called Write This Down. And this is where we, we'll leave our listeners and viewers with at least one idea from today's episode uh, that they need to write down so they can level up. So, mm -hmm. so Gary, you're the guest of honor. I'll let you go first what, what's what should the people write down based on this episode okay so i would i would i would write down <laughs> to capture everything we just spoke about again uh god we trust everybody else brings data <laughs> write down three things right what's my average write down ask yourself what is what is my average sales cycle look like right you understand how can you what what does that give you it gives you intelligence for your budget for, forecast and the budget accuracy which then allows you to do better cash flow uh, prediction and allocate resources to you know not hire too many contractors or freelancers or when to bring on staff when to start training people which software you should negotiate with so critical for your profit margin to understand forecast accuracy and then secondly, again, when we're talking 2023 and it's the year of efficiency, which percentage of my customers am I able to A, upsell, B, cross-sell? Why? Because now that's the low-hanging fruit, right? You don't have to go out and spend high customer acquisition costs, allocate a lot of money towards marketing to get more revenue. You can simply just go to your existing clientele. Uh, furthermore, it's going gonna, it's gonna to foster a, a, a whole, you know, uh, motion of uh, internal focus on customer satisfaction because guess what you can't upsell or cross sell because your clients are satisfied but you know it, that's basically what many companies call same store growth or mm -hmm. you, what's your average revenue per advertiser per, or per account and how can you expand that that is pure profit if you are able to 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 get that done but first thing is just again which percentage am i able to upsell and cross sell 
And that will then spark a, a whole series of new conversations and considerations in terms of how you can grow revenue more effectively this year. Write that down. What, what percentage <laughs> of my customers am I able to upsell and cross-sell? So just something came to mind. I find most people are bad with follow-up. Do you mm. find that to be the case? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can look up any any report. I think it's in the state of sales from Salesforce, the last report. It's like the average sales rep has two to three touch points per prospect before they give up on it. And at the same time, the very same report says that it takes between eight to 15 touch points for a customer to convert. So what yeah. the heck are you doing? <laughs> right? <laughs> Setting yourself up for failure. Right. Uh, I would say this. I have one word for that is automation. Uh-huh. Uh, pers- well, two words, personalization and automation. Mix those two together. So make sure that hypothetically you have a discovery call with a prospect. They want to inquire more about solution. You're trying to determine whether they're a good fit or not. There could be a million different outcomes for what the, the, the deferred next step is. Typical sales rep would be, hey, go into Salesforce, go into my CRM, whatever it is, and put a fat task follow-up in, in Q3. That's when he told me to step. The smart sales rep would be, okay, let me identify all these. Things. Okay, they're in contract with somebody else. Uh, they're, they're working with a competitor. Uh, they're not ready. Uh, it, has to, uh, uh, it has to integrate with some technology we don't have currently. Whatever outcome it is, you activate them into an automated sequence that's personalized based on the outcome. Guess what? Now you do that across like five, ten prospects on a daily basis. It becomes an automation monster fueled by personalization and prospects is going to come back to you and deals is going to start dropping all the time. So it requires some thinking. But once you do that heavy lifting in the beginning, you're going to start reaping the benefits of all that hard work. Great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, the fortune's in the follow-up. And if you can certainly automate it, goes back to the thing you were saying about the CRM. It just makes things easier. Yes, um, so I'll say, I mean, as far as my write this down, just to kind of bring this all together is – that clarity is the starting point of success. Mm-hmm. I, I just think you have to be clear on what you're trying to do. You need to be clear on what your goals are. You need to be clear on what the right salesperson looks like and what you expect mm-hmm. them to do. You need to be clear on who your ideal target customer is and how you're going to reach them. You have to be clear on how you're going to follow up. Are you going to do phone calls? Are you going to have automated CRM? Are you going to send le- I mean, you, you, this, the level of clarity is critical. So, so write that down. Clarity is the clarity starting is point of success. Clarity is power, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, man, this, this is one of those episodes that could go on forever because I have other things <laughs> we could get into. But uh, I, feel I may have just bring you back. We'll just, that's what we'll do. We'll bring you back. When Ted exactly. is with us, because Ted will be all over this, man. This is because he and I have these <laughs> types of conversations all the time. Uh, this this would be great. We're going to bring you back. Um, but I know you, you've got a special bonus for our, our listeners and viewers today. Let, let's talk about yes. that now. Amen. So for the first 50 listeners uh, that goes to my page, GaryGarth.com. That's G-A-R-Y-G-A-R-T-H.com. I guess you can see it in the show notes as well. Yes. Uh, you go to my book page, uh, the Zero to 100 Million Sales Blueprint. You type in the coupon in the checkout process that says the 30 minutes, just the 30 minutes, all small, uh, all small letters. 
you'll get the book discounted from $30 to zero for the first 50 listeners. It's a best-selling book. It's on, it's on Amazon. It costs $30 for a paperback version. You'll get it for free. This is for all the founders, for all the solopreneurs, all the entrepreneurs, everybody who's trying to level up, take to seven figures, eight figures, or even beyond that, right? This is a, a, a blueprint that maybe distills everything you need to do at the different company stages as you evolve and grow your company. I guarantee if you read the book, it doesn't have to be in chronological order. Start with chapter one, go to 14. Pick the chapter that's relevant for me. I'm hiring sales reps. Go to chapter Go to chapter seven right away. Wait a minute. He talked about data, metrics, KPIs. How can I instill, instill uh, uh, data richness in my company? Go to chapter six, right? Oh, wait a minute. I want to add a technology at a CMN to the equation. Go to chapter 13, the significance of technology at scale. You can just tap into the chapter that uh, that is your strongest need right now. Uh, and I guarantee, apply one or two of those concepts, it's a guaranteed return. Uh, and it will transform your business. All right. I mean, this is a fantastic offer. I mean, the first 50 get a, get a free copy. And we'll put all the information in the show notes so that you can take advantage of it. But make sure um, you, you take advantage of this huge opportunity to level up. And I, I'm telling you, I have this book. And like I said at the beginning, I read business books all the time. Yeah. This is excellent. And if thank it wasn't, you, I wouldn't you. say it was. So you. There's, you there's a it. lot of great big books out there. I want to say that. Yeah, I've read every single book I get my hand on. I'm out to the doctor. Yeah. have a high school education. But there's not a lot of books that basically tells you from end to end what you need to do. Uh, and I was blessed to work with, like, for instance, the, the head of global sales enablement at Google. Uh, he wrote the foreword for my book. I have the, mm. the path of director development. Uh, uh, channel development at Microsoft also endorsing the book. The head of channel sales at Amazon is also endorsing the book. And I, I interviewed every single one of them, right? Nice. They worked with me previously. And I was like, so basically picking the brains of all these, you know, giants in sales. Like, How can you stand on the shoulders of giants? How can you up your game overnight by reading what has worked for them, what has worked for me, and apply those lessons? So uh, that's why I'm so confident any entrepreneur who acquires it will, will transform their sales. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Gary, for sharing all the things that you shared and giving us these insights on the sales champion. I mean, this has been an amazing episode. And for those of you listening and, and watching, don't forget to share the show. Don't keep this great information to yourself. Uh, also, don't forget that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and any of those other podcasting platforms where you like to consume uh, your content. And then one more time, Gary, please give people um, the website information so they can uh, yes, potentially take advantage yeah. of this special offer. Just one more time. I want to make sure everybody gets this. GaryGoth.com, my name. Mm -hmm. uh, you go to the book section and you apply the 30 minutes. The 30 minutes. Uh, or you go to the page uh, 0 to 100 million domain as well. It will do a redirect. But the, the most important thing is the coupon, the 30 minutes. The 30 spelled out, uh, three zero minutes. And, and that's a fantastic name for a coupon, by the way. I should have tried it. Right? I was inspired somehow. You're inspired. Right? It just came to me. Yeah. Now that, I, we definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate everything you shared. Uh, that is our time for this week's episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. 
until next time thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30 minute hour podcast we need your help to grow the show one of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review you can go to apple podcast stitcher or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review we've got a bonus that we're running for this month a special bonus that if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it to eric at ericmpwiggs.com you get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book the discipline of now 12 practical principles to overcome procrastination and then lastly don't forget to share the show try share the show share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message again i thank you for listening and remember don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress so keep growing, keep growing.